dude, that is literally all my freaking life is now is I have either the music that plays when she's in her chair stuck in my head or the music that plays when she's on her mat piano stuck in my head. That's all I listen to now. My top artists are going to be Fisher Price piano and Fisher Price chair. I had muted you, Dylan. <laughs> I don't I don't blame you. California Keeping up with the Coens, an OC rewatch podcast. Hello and welcome back to the world's number one OC rewatch podcast. That's right. It's Keeping Up with the Coens. Live mm. oh, yeah. from Oklahoma. <laughs> I don't know what most of those words Live. meant that I just said. Uh, my name is Ryan Drake. I am coming to you from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I'm joined, as always, unfortunately, by Dylan Irwin. It was also in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and Chelsea Trinidad, who I believe spent a lot of time in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma this week. Heck yeah. I did. I just got home last night. It was great. I forgot what a nice city you guys have. Do you love our city now? I do. I, I talk shit a lot, but this is pretty nice. I was there. I like all the little corridors and neighborhoods and stuff. They're pretty cute. We are known for our corridors. It's Oklahoma corridors. OKC, baby. What's your well, favorite I did, thing? I did think it was funny because I felt like I was on one street and they were like, this is deep deuce. And then literally I went like a block away and they were like, now we're in Paseo. I was yeah. like, oh, they have a lot of names here. Did you see the cock ring? No, that's the one thing I didn't see. I did get to see the Wheeler District Ferris wheel, though, even though it wasn't operating. Man. Can I just say I think the cock ring thing is really over overblown? Not to, No pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tell us more. I just, it doesn't say cock anywhere on the cock ring. It says OKC in assorted letters, but it doesn't, in, at no point do C-O-C-K actually line up and spell cock. Well, you know that the artist really, really made sure that that doesn't happen, but still it, it has the effect of saying cock. I just, I just think that it's so, people get so excited. Like, we got to fucking take a picture in front of the cock ring. I'm like, <laughs> it doesn't even say, if it said cock, that'd be hilarious, but it doesn't. It just says OKC over and over again. You know... I think, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. I, I just I just love that we have a cock ring, and I'm disappointed that cox <laughs> is not a word in Wordle. But I have to say, I think sometime, next time you're in Oklahoma City, we got to do something on the Wheeler Ferris wheel for the podcast. I'm in. Like, Should we record like, a whole episode on the Ferris I wheel? Rec- I want to record an entire episode, but I want Chelsea to be running it, and then Ryan and I to get stuck at the top and just have to come to grips with our friendship, and finally. Chelsea, and Chelsea has to hold a boombox up that's playing Faint the Silence. Yep. <laughs> I like yeah. this plan. Season five yeah. spoilers. <laughs> season- should, we write a, should we write a season five? We should pull a Buffy, <laughs> and our next season of this podcast should just be us fanficking the fifth season of this show. I gotta say, I really enjoyed both these episodes. In particular, the second one that we're covering today, the one that Dylan has, I was jealous because it's a great one. <laughs> I love that episode, dude. I loved yours. I think they're both great, but aren't you aren't you so happy that you're watching season four? Like this is so it's so good. I love season four. My I know I say it every week. I have to stop every once in a while and make sure that all my notes aren't I love Taylor. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. This is the OC that I love. Taylor is so great. A couple of my notes still reflect that, but um, really excited to talk about the bullet, um, baby mm-hmm. bullet. Really excited about that, and I, I best, just wanna... one of the best characters on the show. Oh yeah, I just want to. I get got a into lot it. to say about the bullet. Yeah, you want? Let's get into it. You're right, Dylan. I've I have Dilla Buster too long. <laughs> Let us get into it. We'll start with episode five of season four, and it's called the Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty features Sandy Cohen on screen for five minutes and 38 seconds. Dylan, kiss me. November 30th, 2006 was when we all first went to sleep. 3.67 million of us did. This was written by John Stevens. And oh boy, what a doozy. So I'm going to do my usual 10 questions that now Dylan has stolen. Um, Oh, don't worry. I have 15 for the next episode. I have a recap from the OC wiki that I'll read off the top. It's actually pretty long. This is like a longer recap than usual. So maybe we're blending. We're blending styles now, Dylan. (laughs) Here we go. When Taylor, who has a crush on Ryan, learns that he can't sleep, she tries to seduce him with her own therapeutic plan. Meanwhile, at Brown, Summer and Che take their activism to a new level by freeing rabbits from the science labs. Caitlin and Julie battle for Caitlin's tennis instructor's 
Spencer, Caitlin sees him and Julie making out. She wants to take revenge on Julie and brings him to a party where Julie has a date with an oil tycoon from Texas oh. by the name of Gordon Bullitt. <laughs> Finally, when none of <laughs> that was for you more than anyone else, <laughs> when Taylor's plans work, she turns to Caitlin for help with Ryan. At the party, Ryan tells Seth that he would never date Taylor. She overhears it. She runs away. Taylor told Ryan to kiss her to see if he would feel anything. Ryan agrees. I'm going to start with 10 questions. Start with question number one, and it was the cold open in which Taylor calls Ryan funny. She shows up to the Cohen's house, and her excuse was that she was there to give Kirsten a document that Julie left in Taylor's car. And at first I was like, why did, why, why on earth would Julie be in Taylor's car? But also, I just my question for you guys coming off the top here is, what do we think that Taylor actually sees in Ryan? Because there's a whole subplot here about, is Ryan just a guy that's nice to her, or do we think she actually sees something in him? I think it's both, a mixture of both. I think that she started liking him because he was like he was hot and this and that <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. But then I feel like the more she got to know him and just like hearing their interactions, especially in, in this episode, you know, before he before he has his big I'm no longer sleeping with Julie Cooper moment where he says, you know, mm-hmm. says something right in front of her. That um, moment. Yeah. Like before he says that, he's like joking and he's charming and he's she's really opening up a side to him that maybe he hasn't seen. I know that we haven't really seen. And so I think it's a mixture, Ryan. I think that step one is, hey, this guy's kind of hot. He's a good kisser. He's getting me out of this divorce. And then part two is it's like a Beauty and the Beast thing. It's like, hey, he's kind of a nice guy. I want to agree with everything that you guys have said, and I mostly do, and because I love Taylor, but I also couldn't couldn't stop thinking about the episode where Taylor decided that she liked Seth, right? And like there was a whole episode of her chasing yeah. Seth in the same way, to the point she was actively trying to break up Seth in summer. She stole Captain Oates. It turned into a whole thing where she got him like she got mm-hmm. him like the Yakuza gift at the bait shop so i was just like uh taylor has a track record we'll see we'll see if this is different a stage five clinger track record yeah question number two uh so we see julie in this episode it the first time we see her she's like hooking up with some young hot beefy guy a bavarian some some hot bavarian bavarian dude. cream and he's like sneaking around and caitlin sees him they have a they have a, a funny scene um but he leaves and we're kind of given this new version of Julie. That's I we would I think we would say it's her, she's in her hoe phase now, um, because apparently this her. happens this happens regularly. But I just want to know, literally within the within the context of the show, I feel like it's been maybe two weeks since she was comatose about Marissa dying and still with Doctor Roberts, and. All of a sudden, she's not with Dr. Roberts, and she's, like, super happy and in her hoe phase. Like, I just thought there was a lot. There was a lot of... There was a hard turn there. Yeah. I have questions about it, too. That does seem like a big uh, pivot. So, I'm thinking about timing of the episodes. Because time is weird at the beginning of this season. Like, we get this Thanksgiving episode right out of the gate. I'm not really sure when the first episode is supposed to take place, but it's obviously like sometime in like August or September or sometime like that. And so if this is post Thanksgiving, this could be, you know, like late November, early December. So, I mean, more time has really passed, I think, than we think. At the Thanksgiving episode, Julie was still in her like depression. Yeah. It's been maybe two weeks, right? Like, I don't know. It just feels... I'm glad they got there because they don't have a lot of episodes to get there. I'm glad they got fun Julie back. I just thought it was like a hard... It was what I was worried about they would do with Ryan, which is why I was kind of glad they gave it a three-episode arc for Ryan to get over the Marissa thing. Well, Julie is resilient. That's what we like about her. And that's what she's showing by just jumping right back on that Bavarian horse um, ASAP. So good for you, Julie. Question number three. um, Like I said in that wordy recap, (laughs) uh, Taylor really likes ryan she has a plan she has a master plan to pretend question mark to be his sleep therapist (laughs) and my question is trick 
Is Taylor's sleep, my, my literal verbatim question, is Taylor's sleep therapy plan cute because we love her, or is it actually really cringe and kind of weird? But also, is she secretly a really good sleep therapist? Wait, have you guys never used that before to pick up someone? I have not. That's how I'm going to add that to my list. The, the, the sleep therapy approach. <laughs> I, surely, like, Barney Stinson has used it before, right? I like to think of Taylor Townsend as the Barney Stinson of this show. That's right. I, uh, <laughs> so, okay, so this is actually some Something that that I was that that I was thinking about, and it's this whole idea of how behaviors and you know quote unquote cute things take on an entirely different meaning if the person who's doing them is not a cute person. You, I, it comes up a lot, like with dudes. Like if a hot guy comes up to you and and like says something kind of untoward and all that, you might just be like, "Oh, you're making me blush," versus like. You know, if if someone not attractive comes up to you and says something, then you're like, get away from me. This is sexual harassment. And so it's hard to look mm-hmm. at this. If we take Taylor, the adorable, perfect person that Taylor is out of the equation, I think this is low-key creepy. I kind of agree. And even though I love yeah. him, it's weird. It's really weird. I mean, I know there's a television show and weirder things will happen this season. But if I'm trying to look at it from... Uh, my normal person eyeballs it is very strange yeah yeah i would agree it's because taylor is just quirky and funny and you know the hijinks as always she is the strange one like she's never the straight man in the situation here okay here's the question so that's that's taylor's side of things i just want to say we'll get to the ryan side of this in a minute but go ahead with your i was just gonna say a good way to look at this is i want you to imagine that marissa is having trouble sleeping and oliver has this idea and does this. How do we feel about it? I can't believe he didn't do that. I can't believe they saved it for Taylor. But also, she's like pretty good at it. She knows what she's doing. Like this this whole thing with Taylor is that she's presented to us as, you know, a girl who had a a weird upbringing with a kind of shitty mom and she has like no confidence in herself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it takes a lot of balls to try and do something like this. It takes a lot of confidence to... To do what she's doing with Ryan. Yeah. I I love it. I love Taylor. That's what most of these notes of mine say. So I'm not going to continue pushing it. (laughs) Question number four. This is a fun one. I was very excited to talk about this one. I've actually never even thought about it until I was watching this episode last night. Um, First of all, the reason that we get Bullet is because New Match needs to buy a client list from some other dating service. Otherwise, they will not succeed, I guess. And they can't afford the client list, which is why Sandy brings the bullet on board, which that part in and of itself is weird. But we are introduced to Gordon Bullet, who is another just fucking gem of season four. He is one of my favorite characters of this whole series. Mm -hmm. But my question to you guys, and something that I never even thought about ever, having having seen these episodes a bunch of times, I'll, I'll phrase it like this. Who do we think is the true Donald Trump of the West? Was it Bullet or was it Caleb Nickel? I think it's Caleb. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. a really, really good question. I don't think it was either of them, though. Okay, as an aside to that, the real question I want to ask is kind of like, what do you think their, if Caleb was alive, what do you think their interaction oh. would be? Do you think they'd be friends? No, I don't think they'd be. Oh, that That's that's such a good question. Oh my gosh, I oh, love God. this. I love this pairing. <laughs> I don't think they'd be friends because Caleb is such a serious person. But we know he likes to get down. He likes to play some golf. He likes to drink some whiskey. They both love Julie. They have that in common. Yeah, they both love Julie. I I feel like the Bullet's main characteristic, though, is that he's almost like your, like, honorary uncle, where he knows that he's being ridiculous. Like, he knows that he's being polarizing, and he just thinks it's so funny, and that's part of his charm. Yeah. In the way that Donald Trump makes your, like, skin crawl and, like... You know, you get really tense and like the hairs on your head are standing on edge. You don't feel that with bull- the bullet at all. No. But I, that is weird, though. The bullet could say something terrible, and I feel like we would laugh it off because it's like, oh, that's just the bullet, yeah. right? And yeah, just that's we just like the him. bullet being the bullet. But then he becomes president. It's similar, it's similar to what Dylan just said about, you know, you can do something if you're hot <laughs> versus being not hot. The bullet has a hot personality. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Great teeth. I, w- I like to imagine them together try- just trying to hang out. And I wish that, that that's the fanfic is Bullet and Caleb just hanging out, playing golf. And it's very, very reasonable because the reason why they didn't interact previous till now is because the Bullet was in jail. 
So they have that in common. As well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, the they timelines so met is what I'm saying. Like, I bet that they were friends. They have so much in common as far as being bad with money, going to jail for financial crimes, loving Julie. <laughs> Fathering multiple children. He's Texas Caleb. <laughs> He's Texas Caleb. Texas Caleb. That's oh, his yeah. new name. <laughs> He's not the bullet. He's Texas Caleb. No, te- he's the bullet. That's a boy. Yeah, the name. bullet's pretty good. The bullet. Baby um, bullet. He is just like Taylor. He is, and for me, Caitlin, he is just a fucking ray of sunshine this season. We've replaced Marissa with at least four new main characters mm-hmm. now, for at least for the beginning of the season. Uh, so my question is, Dylan, did at this point... Did you like did you think that these characters were in for short arcs or did you think they were extras? Like what did you kind of what was your impression about the bullet and uh Spencer? Okay, so with Spencer, he feels like such a short timer. Um I mean, in all honesty, Che kind of felt like a short timer because he was relegated to special guest status. I noticed every time the credits came up. Um yeah. with the bullet, just based on the track record of Julie's men, it seems like the bullet mm-hmm. would at least get half a season, or it seems like he'll at least get half a season. But as far as everyone else, I think maybe Spencer's connection to the bullet will give him a little bit more longevity, um, especially with the uh, the plot line that comes uh, comes to light at the end of the next episode that we're covering. But mm-hmm. I didn't think that it was going to be like, they're going to get as much screen time as the core four, or now the core 27 or however many we have. That's another question I have coming up later. But also, if we had one character on this show up to this point, if you could spin off one character into his or her own spin-off show, it's the bullet. Yeah, it, right? it would be it would be the yeah. bullet and it would be like <laughs> but it would be the bullet in like a Yellowstone type show. So, all right, question number 5. This is a question where I'm going to instead of me just recapping a thing that happens, I'm going to ask you guys to do it instead. The last time we left Seth and Summer, Summer was doing the uh what was that? Like the assembly mm-hmm. where she was speaking and Seth left and this episode the most of the Seth and Summer storyline is boiled down to Seth is waiting to call her because he said he'd give her a week and I was wondering if any of you could explain that to me why why <laughs> it's so it seems so dumb it it is I think it, it is I dumb. think it seems kind of silly it, it seems a little bit silly but also respectful like I I don't know I haven't really had to do long distance that much but it does seem like that would be distracting just Am I going to talk to them today or am I not? It seems like it would kind of occupy my brain. So at a point you have to say, okay, like, do you just cut it off or do you have scheduled times? I don't know. I I do like what they're, you know, like I said, it's good Seth right now. And good Seth is trying to give her some space. As the former king of long distance, um, (laughs) I, uh, I can see it in a bunch of interesting ways because I've had long distance relationships like when you have yeah i've had three i did not know this yeah i had one um in high school and slash college i had another one uh first part of law school and then another one after i graduated law school all before leslie 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 was like the first girl that i dated that she and i stayed in the same place <laughs> and so we were just kind of like hey this is nice we literally lived down the street. The yes. She didn't she didn't she didn't leave the state. Yeah, she didn't she leave the state. She <laughs> was like, <laughs> I'm staying. But you always had serious relationships. Yeah, I didn't I didn't mess around, okay? I uh it was it was a big enough deal to find someone who would put up with me. Um I just didn't want to, you know, deal with <laughs> deal with wading into the pool. But with with when texting was less prevalent, and I'm talking like you know, when it was a little bit more difficult to text, when you had to do like press the five key four times, press the seven key two times, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit more difficult and distracting to text. And so it was more of a Seth Summer. Let's just have a designated time where we can talk because, you know, not only is it is it time consuming, but we're both trying to establish ourselves now at these new places um, and we don't mm-hmm. want to sacrifice that. But then as time went on, when texting was just so easy and convenient, um, I mean, like we would we would talk on the phone like every couple of days or something like that. But mostly like we would just mm-hmm. text each other and, and it wasn't an issue. But the, the thing that, that Seth has done, I mean, I've I've done something similar to that before where it's like, hey, you have a lot going on. I'm going to give you the week. Let's talk this weekend. And for me, 
it was like, I kind of had the same thing that Seth did where that became more of a distraction because I was like, man, that was a really cool thing that happened. I need to tell, you know, my girlfriend, oh, wait, we aren't going to talk till the end of the week. Do I write it down? What do I do? And so I will admit a couple of times I just broke down and I was like, hey, check this out. Yeah. It's like your, your headspace just isn't in the moment. I've never been a fan of the break or of the let's just not talk for a week. Let's just save it up. And I'm just like, if you want to talk to somebody, you'll talk to them. That's kind of what I was thinking yeah. with this, was that it feels almost like they're not together anymore. I mean, yeah. it feels like they are faking it until the end. I think around the end of this episode is when it starts to feel like they're together mm-hmm. again. But yeah, I, I was kind of surprised it didn't go in a direction where like maybe one of them gets attention from somebody else because their relationship mm-hmm. is in a bad place. Well, I admire that, though, because that's such an easy place to take relationship drama. Like, it's so much more interesting that they decided that, no, this is going to be about their personal growth and their interests and who they want to be as adults. I have a hard time believing that Seth Cohen is a character, you know, that we do from seasons one, two, and three, suddenly has the maturity to do this and not talk about, not want to call her and talk about himself constantly. Yeah, he's grown so much in just, mm-hmm. like, this fourth season and mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a spoiler for kind of a related question next episode. But my big thing is with all this great character development, is it earned or is it forced? And for Seth, for Seth, it feels forced. Well, but that's also kind of terrible of us because we're like, wow, Seth has clearly been humbled. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, one of his closest friends died and does family's going through you know trauma or whatever and no we don't buy, we don't buy that he i'm afraid i'm afraid <laughs> the baby thinks people can't change i if i'm my, this is my super pessimistic seth cohen brain but like i don't feel like he was that attached to marissa to begin with like he, i don't think that they were she was one of his best friends i think he has one best friend and it's ryan and that's pretty basically his only friend um mm-hmm. we got we had very few seth marissa interactions and i just have a hard time believing that based on what we know about seth that whenever she did die and obviously ryan was very close to her summer was very close to her that he didn't eventually just kind of get upset that they weren't paying attention to him but he didn't do that because they didn't write it that way. Alas. Question number six. It's funny that you brought up the social network a minute ago because there's a scene here where uh, Che, <laughs> Summer and Che both get called by the Dean. They had freed the rabbits. Uh, we were introduced to Pancakes, who actually does become a part of the show from here for here on out. But there's a scene where uh, Che gets the call from the Dean and Summer gets a call from the Dean. Che comes in and he goes, yeah, I got the call too. The janitor picked us out from because he looked us up on Facebook. Ooh, yeah. And that I had a moment in my head where I was like, it's it, I was trying to reconcile that. Um, the question was, is it weird the OC reference Facebook? Because in my head, I was trying to reconcile the fact that the OC occupies this part of my life. And then I feel like Facebook was like a way, way down the line part of my life. But there was like a little bit of a crossover there between the OC and Facebook, which this. is really interesting to think about if they had social social media during the other seasons of the OC. I didn't even mm-hmm. think about that. I got my Facebook in June of 2006. So... Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's about when I got mine too because there was it was the people a year older than all of us who had a Facebook, a high school Facebook and a college Facebook. Yeah, and they could invite but you. But we were the first like class that could combine them. I just want to let all you young listeners know, all you Gen Z listeners, all you our Zoomer fan base that back when mm-hmm. we were your age, not everyone could get on Facebook. At first, you had to have an a .edu address. And then after yeah. that, if you had a .edu address, you could invite people with a non.edu address, which is how I got on. Um, I had yeah, a, but you had to be invited, yeah. so it's not like your mom could just get. It was on like it. the final, the final clubs in Social Network. Just, just watch the Social Network, people. Is what I'm saying. It's a good movie. But like, it's weird now. That I'm thinking about it that right up until that point when Facebook came out, like MySpace. And just for some people, Zanga was like such a huge part of our lives, mm-hmm. like our daily lives. Yeah. And the OC never went with any of that. The OC never went down that path at all with any sort of online. They were never, they're literally never online on the OC, right? Yeah, I don't think so. That's weird. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know they, there's no storylines about like IMing or anything like that. Man. There was the one with Taylor and the Dean had the sidekick and that was about as tech as we got with the OC. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird that they were just never online, even though this was like a big 
moment for the internet and social media Man. that it never came up in the show. It would have changed a lot in the show, I think. What do you think sets mm-hmm. what do you think sets MySpace song would have been? Lack of color by Death Cab for Cutie. I, it's exactly what I was yeah. gonna say, because he sang that in season two. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Heck yeah. yeah. What was your MySpace song? For the brief time I had a MySpace, my my music right when it opened up was this is so stupid and it actually wasn't a joke. I really liked the guitar theme from Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> so that was my MySpace music when it opened it up. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's awesome. It was so good. <laughs> that is peak Dylan yeah. And then And then after that, it was briefly Dire Dire Docks from Mario 64. Mario? Yeah. <laughs> so I was, in, I was basically listening to the 1975 before the 1975 existed. I used my MySpace to like put my MySpace song to be like, find new bands. And like, I always wanted everyone to, to remember that like, oh, Ryan had that band on his MySpace before I ever even heard of that Dude, band. Dude, that, that's what people yeah. would think right now if, I mean, Dire Dire Docks is blown up, man. <laughs> Big TikTok sound. Uh, all right. Question number seven. Does Seth think, because there are a couple scenes here that kind of allude to it. Seth is very against Taylor and her plan to seduce Ryan. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's my, again, my pessimistic Seth brain goes to that place where he's like, you're supposed to like me, not him. But I think he might actually be looking out for Ryan's best interest here. But does Seth think that Ryan deserves better than Taylor? And do we think Ryan is ashamed of liking Taylor? I think Ryan might be a little ashamed about it. And Not ashamed. That's unredeemable. But just, okay. just feeling a little bit cringe about it. Just because I think he's kind of like, Man, I don't even know how to describe it. Okay. Cringe about it. Okay, no, cringe about it because it's Taylor. Like if 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 some if they just introduced some random girl that was exactly as hot as Taylor, and she's a new character and she came on the show, do we feel like Ryan in within the context of the show, do we feel like Ryan would have the same hesitations? 100% no. Right. I'm going to push back and I'm going to say it's not cringe and it's not because it's Taylor. I think that Ryan's hesitations are are both based on how he feels emotionally and potentially how it would be perceived by others because he's basically painted himself as the guy whose girlfriend just died and he's been attached to marissa for the last three years and so mm-hmm. as he kind of says to taylor like i'm not really ready to date anyone right now he hasn't been that attached like he has been attached to marissa yes he has not he has dated Mar- he has not dated marissa in more time than he did date marissa if that makes sense also, he he didn't hesitate to date Lindsay or Sadie Hawkins her. or <laughs> I miss Lindsay so much. Yeah, I, I I just I don't think it's because it's it's I mean, let me this is going to sound weird. It's it, it's because it's Taylor, but it's also not because it's Taylor, because Taylor was kind of like the anti Marissa kind of. She was like the bizarro Marissa when we first met her mm-hmm. in season three. So. I feel like there's also maybe a little bit of guilt there for, for with Ryan because he's like, but, you know, I, I don't really know. It's tough to say. Maybe Ryan's just a prick or he's a teenager. I just feel like he's one of those girls that like after high school, you get a little more mature and you can see girls from high school that you used to think were like kind of dorks. And then you're like, oh, wait, she's actually cool and cute. It's like the Taylor Swift song, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's cheer captain. I'm on the bleachers. Yep. <laughs> that yes. Was Marissa oh my god, that was such a good music video. Even though Kanye hated it, I thought it was incredible. Oh, it's a great video. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not on board with this Taylor hate. She deserves better. She deserves someone who wants to be with her. Amen. Yeah. Question number eight. Uh, we kind of touched on the fact that Summer and Che got called to the dean's office because they stole some. They didn't steal rabbits. They released some rabbits uh, because Summer's still doing her save the world thing uh her, her protest behavior and so uh they free a bunch of rabbits from a lab at the brown campus they get called by the dean to, to appear in front of a disciplinary board and mm-hmm. summer admits to the rabbits thing does what i think is the what i think is the the real problem here she admits to the rabbit thing and she admits to knowing who did all the other stuff but she won't actually tell them who did all the other stuff yeah meanwhile che just denies it all of it and pins it all in summer and so she's presumably going to get kicked out of school in some way or another because of this um so my question is do you think summer should have tattled on che and do you all do we all hate che now i've been hating che since the beginning i'll just say that but chelsea you can answer first did you well dylan did you think this was the end of che yes i did i um i really did i thought it was the end of che because if and i mean maybe this bleeds into the next episode a little bit too much but because summer gets kicked out of 
Brown for at least a semester. I don't even remember what her actual sentence was. I was like, well, there goes Che. We're done with that character. I I think it was very in character of uh, Summer to not tattle. Um, I think it's also just, you know, the trope that we've seen of someone who is like, idealistic on the surface but when push comes to shove they're about them at tuche (laughs) 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 um but i mean of course i think that we were all waiting like whenever we watched this for the first time like how is how are seth and summer going to be in the same city again so how like how summer going to get back to newport was a big question of ours so it was like oh okay that's an interesting way to go out up to this point i feel like if this were the end of che and it's not I don't, I don't feel like he contributes much to the show moving forward, but I also don't feel like he was necessary here because like this could, this whole storyline with Summer could have just been her on her own deciding to do this, like uh, this environmentalism mm-hmm. stuff. And I feel like that would have just been better. I feel like Che was just, Che's almost too, and if, if for some reason I can fully accept the bullet as a like, believable character, but Che, I'm just like, he's too over the top. I don't like him. Yeah. See, I think Summer needed someone to kind of push her in that direction, and he just became her friend, and that's just what happened. You also kind of needed the tension as a viewer of, oh crap, is he secretly in love with her, and is this going to be, is this going to cause a rift between her and Seth? So it kind of added that tension. I just wasn't on board with the 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 chainess of it all. The I, yeah, fuck Che. Uh, all right, question number nine. This is important. There's a scene that I mentioned earlier with Caitlin and Taylor. Mm-hmm. And they're in mm-hmm. what I now, which I guess is Julie's house or Dr. Robert's house, whoever's house it is. Yeah. Um, Caitlin has taken up Marissa's old room. Taylor has taken in Summer's old room for now. And they have like a really great scene where Taylor's asking Caitlin for relationship advice. What do you do when a guy doesn't even really know you exist and you've tried to change? <laughs> and I've already tried everything, including trying to pretend to be a sleep therapist. That's so funny. Uh, <laughs> Caitlin. <laughs> Kaylin gives her great advice, which is like, just look hot. It just go be to go stand in front of him while you look hot, which I totally agree with. Great advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gasses her up, tells her how good she looks and, you know, gets in a way that no one else has done so far for Taylor, by the way, in this series. And my my question is, and I mean this sincerely, this is not a joke question. Do Taylor and Caitlin have more chemistry than Summer and Marissa? Oh, I just think that Caitlin, or sorry, Taylor has such a bubbly, fun personality that, like, yes. Like, Taylor is the summer in the Marissa summer dynamic, um, but Taylor just brings even more quirky energy that it makes it more fun. I mean, Marissa was kind of just a wet blanket, let's be real. I think I loved Caitlin in these two episodes. Like... She, I'm telling you, she becomes my other favorite character in the series. So the, in season the, four. the two big things in this episode specifically that I just want to give her a shout out for is, is first of all, whenever Bavarian Cream came down and she goes, "Are you my new daddy?" Like that, <laughs> that is perfect. But but also one thing that I noticed is like, especially in these episodes, Willa Holland is legitimately perfectly cast as Misha Barton's younger sister. It's ridiculous yeah. casting. Her mannerisms. I mean, it made me believe that Willa Holland must just be Willa, right? Not Willow. Yeah, Willa. Willa. Willa is just an incredible actress because her mannerisms freak me out. They're mm. so Marissa-esque. I love Taylor and Caitlin together way more than I ever love Summer and Marissa together. And that's more about Marissa than it is Summer. But if they had discovered this earlier in the in the series if they discovered like that type of like sisterhood then i feel like they would have done a lot more with it and it sucks we only got it in season 4 yeah mhm all right question 10 this is the final question and i as i'm reading it i'm thinking back to the episode and i truly don't remember what these characters did in this episode and i'm also trying to think of and the whole point of this question is to to check in with them and see how what you think about what they've been doing this season so far do you guys know who i'm talking about uh luke's brothers no. <laughs> because they're awesome in this episode. No. Kirsten and Sandy. Kirsten and Sandy. Thank you. Yeah. They are, yeah, they've kind of been forgotten for a little bit, huh? Sandy's only getting five minutes of screen time. Um, what on earth? Yeah. He's just been, uh, he did the Volchek thing, which was important. Kirsten has gotten almost no screen time. Mm-hmm. Her whole thing so far has just been Julie's friend more than anything else. Her main her main role in this episode was get insulted by the bullet. Yeah, Sa- Sandy's main role in this episode was to act as the tortilla chip to bullets guacamole. Like that's all that, that's all that Sandy was here for, and I'm thankful for it. But uh, 
But yeah, I don't know. Feels like we got too much Jay, not enough Sandy and Kirsten. I'm just saying. Yeah. Can, okay. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harp on that. B- before we close the book on this episode, so something came up that, and I'm, I'm truly curious about how, about, about this. So mm-hmm. Taylor pronounces Gidget's name Volchok. Volchok. Is that the correct pronunciation? I think it's Vol. I, I it's know. spelled Volchak, with an Volchak. E. It's spelled with an O. No, it's, it's spelled with an O. Oh, it is. Yeah, like that. Okay. Well, in my head, I've been. That's why I'm, I mean. That's why we call him Gidget. Also, I think I can guess the fashion and music moments. Okay. Do you have mm-hmm. Chelsea? You even have a fashion moment? Um, no, I don't. I'm sorry. I think the fashion moment should be yeah. Seth's "Pray for Me, My Wife Is Irish" T-shirt. Because <laughs> I relate. How many of those American, um, uh, like, sorry, not American, real Urban Outfitter shirts did you guys have? Zero. I wore polos because I was a gentleman. If I were choosing. Chelsea, mm-hmm. I'll let you decide between okay. Dylan's fashion moment. My, I know, my fashion gonna be, moment I know was, what it's going to be. I know what it's going to be. What's what? it going to be? It's going to be Taylor's dress. It's Taylor in the dress. <laughs> that dress was pretty hot. I know. I feel like that should be the fashion And she just episode. like slithered out of it. And she was wearing that awesome like uh, updo. Yeah. She looked incredible. I think I know the music moment. Okay. I think the music moment is during the mother-daughter tennis session with Spencer. <laughs> that is exactly <laughs> right. Float on cover. Yeah, the float on cover by Goldspot, which was a part of the OC season six mix or mix six. Um, so yeah, that's most. Of, those are my questions. I had a couple of other things real fast that I wanted to say. So Taylor and Ryan get into an argument outside of what place are they in when they're doing that event? Uh, is it the is it the yacht club? No, it started with no. Hold on. Oh crap! I don't know. Well, I bring. I'm only bringing this up because. In that same episode I mentioned earlier where Taylor was pursuing Seth and then she has that big fight with her mom outside they go and Seth out. sees it. Do you remember this? It's, it's got to be. It's, it's got to be the Yacht Club. It's the exact same place. That's literally the exact same spot. It's got to be. Like, yeah. That's where they had this. That's where they filmed both of those arguments. Taylor and Seth and then now Taylor and Ryan. It is 100% Redneck Yacht Club because also when they go outside, there are yachts. Right. <laughs> Great job, Dylan. That's what I'm, or catamarans. Those aren't yachts. Bullet calls... Uh, Caitlin the potster at one point in the episode which I thought was funny because that was the name of the episode that she debuted on in season three I have one last thing that I have to say about well, this I'm not, episode I'm not done oh yet. I thought you were done you, you were giving the no. indication at the end of this episode Ryan and Taylor finally have a moment it was kind of that moment where she overheard him saying like I'm not gonna date Taylor was um, dramatic yeah. and I felt bad for her and I feel like it takes a lot of confidence for her to go back to Ryan and bring him the tea that he clearly doesn't need because they make out as an experiment. <laughs> and uh, I think he's just horny for Taylor now. Has that ever happened to you guys or even like, like where you've discussed like kissing before you've kissed been like, let's just kiss and see what happens. Like that's never, ever come up for me before in my entire life. Yes, it was. I was watching a TV show. Um, I was showing my girlfriend a TV show and I paused the tv show and then i said hey can i try something and she said yeah sure go ahead and i kissed her and i just went huh but it wasn't your first kiss yeah it was with that person oh that was your that was your girlfriend she was your girlfriend and you hadn't kissed her uh we were just like very casually dating um and chelsea you're gonna eat your words because that girlfriend was leslie Ooh. <laughs> yikes it worked Ooh. Okay. I would love to get well, good for I would you. love to get Leslie's input. Leslie's yeah, take. Dylan, very glad that you have found someone to love you. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I uh the last I want to say one more thing about Taylor in this episode because I'm I'm okay. on the Taylor train full on. And that is it right. took us four seasons, but we finally got a character correctly saying Jedi mind trick and not Jedi mind meld, and it was Taylor. So Taylor, on today of all days. Thank you. Thank you for what International you Women's Day was yesterday, Dylan. You don't have to do International this. Women's Day was yesterday. The Obi-Wan trailer was released today. And so oh, that yeah. beautiful fruition creates this moment of pure ecstasy. Mm-hmm. I rest. So I feel like I, we keep saying we're going to be done. Like this is like the Batman where it's like, well, this is the ending. This is the end. This is the end. And there's like eight other endings. Yeah. I just want to say one more thing that uh, I did. I said last week I wanted to go to like find an old fan forum that was talking about these episodes. And I did find one for this episode. They're hard to find, by the way. I don't even know what to look for when you're looking for that shit. Um, but I found one that had was talking about this episode. And I just have a quote from one of the random commenters oh, that just baby. I feel like echoes what I feel like it echoes what we're all feeling right now, which is the beginning of this season sucked. But the last two episodes have improved immensely. Yeah. Yeah. Great show. I'd agree. That is it for the Sleeping Beauty episode five of season four. That gets us into episode number six. 
The Summer Bummer. Summer Bummer. Features Sandy coming on screen for six minutes and 56 seconds. Dylan, school's out. Ironically enough, The Summer Bummer actually aired during the winter, December 7th, 2006, to 3.82 million viewers. It was written by an intrepid team of writers, one Josh Schwartz and to Stephanie Savage. And I really like this episode um, a lot. In fact, I have 14 questions about this episode. I'm using a method to break down this episode where I just simply ask discussion questions. It's completely original to me. And this is the first time anyone has done it on this show. Um, to begin, I am going to also do something unique, and I'm going to read from the OC Wiki to tell you what this episode was about. Summer. Wow. This is plagiarism. Summer Man. gets kicked out of Brown. Thanks oh. to her friend, Che. Uh, Speaking uh, of plagiarism. Oh, everyone. <laughs> Seth <laughs> leaves Newport to visit Summer at Brown, but runs into Che. Ryan has fantasies about Taylor after kissing each other. That sentence makes no sense. And Caitlin throws a party at Dr. Robert's house to get even with a popular girl. Meanwhile, Julie learns new match is no long just a dating service. It says no long. No ma- I don't want to edit it. Oh, you said no match. No match is no long a dating service. Wow. <laughs> Hello. I was in dead zone. Um, <laughs> I have 14 questions for you. I had 15, but my first one was so stupid that I knew Ryan would hate it. So I deleted it. Mm. And I'm going to start right out of the gate. In this episode, since Seth is heading to, uh, is off on the road to Rhode Island, he um, is not there to talk with Ryan, to counsel Ryan. And we have Kristen, not Kristen, Kirsten and Sandy coming in and saying, you know, I, I can be your Seth. I can be, you know, the person you talk to. And so I have kind of a two part question. One, mm-hmm. is Kirsten the better Seth or is Sandy the better Seth? And part two, what does it take to be a Seth for Ryan? In this context. Okay. I think Sandy is a better Seth, but Kirsten is a better listener. I think Kirsten's a better Seth overall. Implicit in Chelsea's answer, that means that to be a good Seth, you have to be a terrible listener. <laughs> so why do you think why do you think that Kirsten is the better Seth? Um, because Sandy will give she'll she's the better Seth because of because Sandy will actually give practical good advice i feel like and seth never will do that and i feel like kirsten will just say the thing that is like the nice sweet thing because that's what she does does that make sense seth is kind of like a neutral sounding board not necessarily someone you want to vent to but not necessarily get advice from i don't think sandy and seth's advice would be similar i just feel or i'm sorry i don't think kirsten and seth's advice would be similar i just feel like they would both give bad advice (laughs) in different ways i like it okay question number two it's a really simple answer but it's something that i just really want to talk about is this the first time we ever see water polo played? On the show, yes. They've only referenced it. Wait, did they play it at the high school? Is that what you're talking uh-huh. about? Yeah, I believe so. We never saw Luke actually play water polo. Mm-hmm. Um, we never saw Zach actually play water polo. We've only seen Luke's brothers. Again, Luke's brothers, understated, underrated, are not in the show a lot. But when they are, it's they great. They kill it. They absolutely kill it. Yeah. I just... I found that fascinating that this show, so much of this show's DNA is about the the jocks, which are just simply water polo players. They're even villains in Atomic County, yet we only see water polo actually played once. It's like how they never say the word vampire in Midnight Mass. It's weird. Uh, question number three. Mm-hmm. I have a couple palate cleanser questions. Um, pimp, for him. Pimps mm-hmm. and hose parties. How do we feel about them in 06? How do we feel about them in 22? God, in 06, they were fucking cool. I did that multiple times. I, oh, it's so cringe. I can't believe it. I'm embarrassed. I'm talking about this now publicly. I think it was like my 16th or 17th birthday. I was like, uh, golf pros and tennis hoes or something there stupid like that. There was a sorority like party that was golf pros and tennis hoes too. No, it was my birthday, which is, oh, you went to a sorority one? I was so embarrassed. And like, I, I remember um one of my friends came and he was dressed up like the captain at, in um Caddyshack. And I was like, oh, that's actually a really good costume. But everyone else was just like a fool. And then for my graduation party, I was like office pros and I don't CEOs and office hoes or something stupid. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so embarrassed. Oh man. I like CEOs and office hoes because I guess I kind of like golf pros and tennis hoes as well because they're sort of gender neutral. <laughs> All right. 
Okay. Dylan's doing that thing where we're just asking questions that have nothing to do with this episode. Well, now I'm going to get back. No, I'm glad that you did. That was an important, iconic uh, trope of the late aughts, so it needed to be touched on. So I've now asked two palate cleansers. Let's get back to a serious question. So we've seen (laughs) Julie with Tate, with Luke, with Caleb, with Doc Ock, and now with Baby Bullet. What do we think she needs in a man? Ooh, that's a great question. I Okay, what do we think she wants or what do we think she needs? Or what do we think she wants or what do we think she needs isn't the right word. I feel like she wants money. That's what she wants. Um, but I feel like there are moments where she's like with Tate where it's like a genuine real connection. I still feel like they had... I feel like Julie and Tate, for all it's worth, and for all the bullshit we've had with all these other couples, they had to me one of the realest connections in this entire series. I agree. Julie is it's right up there with Marissa and Alex. Um, those are like the two that seemed like legitimately two people that liked each other, you know? Um, so I don't know. I feel like she kind of needs someone like Tate, but with money. So Tate in season one. What is it you think about Tate just as a person, not as an ATM that appeals to Julie that could ultimately be what like the kind of person she needs. He treats her like an equal. He treats her like he sees the things that she is good at. She he doesn't just see like a hot girl. Mm-hmm. Like right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that um Julie liked that he was um you, you know, she grew with him or she was there for his journey to the top. Of course he already started in a very privileged privileged position, but it wasn't like he was already established in the same way that Caleb was. I think we talked about that in season, whatever season that was, where they kind of almost got back together, was that, like, remember Julie was trying to do something? Um, I can't remember what exactly she was trying to do, but she was struggling with it, and Jimmy was the one that gave her the pep talk that was like, hey, you're Julie Cooper, like, do your shit, do the thing that you do best. Yeah, I loved that pep, oh, that was such a good He's the only then. person that does, that has done that for her, that has believed in her on some level. Mm-hmm. That and, and even whenever they were decorating the restaurant, you know, he knew that she'd be great at it. I, uh, I want the listeners to know as I move on to this next question that there was a giant bug on my computer and I looked down and now it's gone. So things could get hairy over here, but we'll see. I have some palate cleansers before we get back to a serious question. Um, number five, when Seth goes into Summer's room, he uh, or excuse me, to Che's room, Summer's room, someone's room, he finds a DVD that says Seth on it. He plugs it in um, to his computer and he turns it on. And there's static. Why is static playing on a burned DVD? He recorded it off the TV when TV was playing static. Oh, he did? I don't know. That seems like a reason. Well, I guess you couldn't burn directly from a TV to a DVD back then, though, could you? No. No. He's a genius. He's an evil genius. Um, Okay, question number six. This is a Chelsea-specific question. Oh, love it. I was just curious. We Mm -hmm. have this strange part where we're, I guess, trying to take advantage of the water polo set. Okay. And we have this this method whereby the head mean girl is giving out a limited number of invitations a la The Bachelor Mm -hmm. to her party. And I was just curious. Is this exactly how or similar to the way you handed out party invitations at Jinx? Oh my gosh, no, at Jinx, I was, I've always been a very inclusive people or person. So I would make like flyers and literally like Xerox them in the drama room. And I would, you know, on like one piece of paper, but there'd be like six invitations on one and cut them up and just hand them out with reckless abandon. Are we losing Chelsea's internet? We might be. Wait, can you, did you just, oh, can you hear me? We heard most of what you said, and I'm taking umbrage with it, because if you remember way back in season one... I do. <laughs> we had an argument about whether <laughs> Oliver was handing out invites or flyers to his party. And you were like, yeah, those are invites, when they were clearly flyers. And now you're telling <sighs> me that you were making flyers for your parties? Yeah, I made flyers for my parties. But what, what was the difference between Oliver... Like, what What was my... I, I'm sh- I remember that conversation, but I forgot why... It was such a sticking point for us. Because you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he was handing no, out a piece of paper. but the deal was I was ratchet, though. I was handing out clearly flyers because they were pieces of paper. But Oliver is a fancy person. He lives at the Four Seasons. He would have invitations. Okay, okay, hold on. Que- question 6.5. <laughs> How did Anna know Oliver? God, I'm glad you asked this. I have thought a lot about it. <laughs> Well, their parents okay. were friends, you see? 
No, I don't think that's true. Oh god. Um, no, all yeah. Anyway, we don't have to get into all of her shit. I don't want yeah, to. Anyway. I'm, I'm I'm trolling you. I have a Ryan specific question now. Ryan, okay. I've been hearing rumors, mm. and I'm just curious: is it true that Danity Kane is playing a 25 minute set for your birthday this year? <laughs> it's also true that Danity Kane sucks. <laughs> yeah. According to Caitlin. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, yeah. Shout out to Danny Kane though. What a what a perfect like reference for that for that moment of time. Shout out to making the band under like classic show. Making the band goes so hard, and maybe that's the show we cover next. Did you hear the rumors Possibly. that she like dated Donald Trump Jr.? What? Uh, uh, Audrey, what is her Audrey O'Day? Aubrey O'Day? Whatever her name is. Uh, she dated a Trump. Yeah, I heard that she dated wow. uh, Trump Jr. Did not know that. Sounds like I got to start listening to more Danity Kane. MAGA, baby. So question number eight, it's kind of a mixture palate cleanser, but serious question because it's something that I've been curious about. I'm really concerned with Seth's relationship to this comic book store, whether he's an employee, whether he works there, what the deal is. There's a big deal made in this episode about Taylor covering for him. And she Mm -hmm. stays there pretty late and is like the only person there. Is this a confirmation that Seth may at least be a manager, maybe even the owner of the comic book shop? That's a really good question, actually. <laughs> I hate that that's a good question, because it's not, but I think it is. Um, yeah, does Seth own his own comic book store? Because he is the only person that works there, right? And and, and his underlings. Yeah, and like, it's available to just be used for whatever, whenever. Like, that's what that's where they had Ryan's like intervention in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't the- know. Maybe Seth owns a comic book shop and he's going to shut it down when he goes to RISD. I don't know. Well, it makes sense that he's in a management position because those other kids during the slideshow that were helping him looked really young. But it doesn't make sense he's in a management position because he's like 17. <laughs> That's true. That's true. This is really just a question about child labor laws and whether they're still valid. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, serious question. And this one kind of messed, messed me up a little bit. So... Is the one thing Che did to Summer worse than any one of the things Seth did to Summer? Ooh, okay. Um, Pick your Seth moment. What is the worst thing Seth did to Summer? Uh, I think it was making out with that girl on spring break, right? But they were on a break, right? Like I was thinking I, like leaving season one. I think I leaving. About- I think leaving was probably the worst thing. And not contacting her. Leaving yeah, and not that sucked too. talking to her. What else did he, um, I mean, he lied Ruined her date with Zach by staying up all night and being weird. He did something really bad in the third season, because I remember us talking about it being the worst, if it was the worst thing that he did, but I can't remember what it was. Lied he lie? about he was lying about Brown. going into Brown. Lying about Brown. I don't think that's necessarily, I mean, it's bad, but it's not bad, bad, because- he was doing it kind of for her best interest because he's like, I don't want her to leave. I think it's leaving. I think leaving is the worst thing he did. Yeah, just because the leaving thing, I'm comparing it to the Che thing too, but like, so when he lied about getting into Brown, he lied to Summer. Che lied uh-huh. about Summer to other people. Ooh. But him leaving, there was no lying. That was all real. You know what I mean? Like that was just yeah. him saying like, you're not important enough for me to stay. I'm going to leave. So mm-hmm. I guess it's depending on how you look at it. Like emotionally, I feel like it's worse. The worst thing that happened to Summer was that her boyfriend just left without really saying anything. He left her a fucking note. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as just like wrongs that were committed, I think that Chase thing is way worse than Seth lying about college. I think I agree. But it's pretty bad. Chelsea, Summer keeps yeah. getting shit on by guys. Yeah, she deserves so much better. I have a semi-serious question. Um, it's serious if you like parties. How does Caitlyn's rebel sister party compare to Haley's rebel sister party? Oh, man. I'm glad you brought this up because this is like, this is, they, I feel like we get one of these per season almost, right? Like, yeah. we had Haley's. We also had the one where Jess overdosed. That wasn't, was that Haley's party? Floater girl. Was that? No, that was. Uh, that was Caitlyn's birthday? Yeah, it was Caitlyn's birthday, I think. I think. Season, yeah. No, God. No, yeah, it was. It was. No, because Floater also- girl. Floater know, it Girl all, it was season two. It all blends together. So that was, oh, that was Trey's birthday party. Yes, it was yeah. Trey's birthday. So we had Trey's birthday party, and then in season three, we had Caitlin's birthday party, and we also had the the Dawn Patrol party. And now we get um, 
Caitlin's at Chili's. Yeah, now we get Caitlin's just like spite house party, which looked dope, by the way. Um, I don't know where I don't know how fifteen year old they acknowledged her her age again as fifteen with Spencer. I don't know how fifteen year old Caitlin is getting five kegs on a moment's notice. I know she just like announced it. Like, does she have someone who does that for her? Like, what the hell happened, Spencer? I'm in my thirties. I'm not even sure I could just make five kegs appear in the next hour somewhere. No, but I loved. One of the most underrated scenes of this season, I feel like. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about Summer and Shay in a minute. But like Summer and Shay were handcuffed and then it was Taylor and Roger. And then they mm-hmm. run into Caitlin with the two, um, with Luke's two brothers. Mm-hmm. And the and like the four, seven of them have a scene together. And I loved it. I thought that was delightful. <laughs> Is eco-friendly Summer a logical character progression? Or is it intended to be out there? I think it's a logical character progression. I actually thought a lot about this when trying to figure out what I thought so far of the season. I actually did stop and think, like, is this a good season so far? Or do I just like it? I think that the summer, I mean, we talked about it but way back at the first episode, way back two weeks ago, where, like, Summer has, like, taken the mantle of Sandy Cohen, right? Like, she, yeah. she has had the most progress as a character through the first three seasons of the show. So it makes sense for her to continue having the most progress as a character in this season. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like your mm-hmm. answer. That's a strong answer. And I accept it. Yeah, me too. Um, question 13 is season four. Taylor, the greatest character in the OC. Yes. Easy. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I figured she is what Seth, I think was supposed to be. Ooh, I like that. Like she She's is lady Seth. Yeah, but in a good way. Like, she's not <laughs> as self-centered as he is. She's more fun. She cares about people, even if she is doing... She's really good at doing a lot of good things for other people for her own selfish reasons, whereas Seth just does things for his own selfish reasons but that are not necessarily good for other people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, makes sense. Like, Taylor is an incredible friend, probably because she wants something from you, but she's a great friend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question, and maybe this is one that we have to address in future episodes so I don't get it spoiled for me, but with the introduction of pancakes, did Princess Sparkle and Captain Oats just simply get jettisoned into the sun? I don't think so. I feel like there's one scene in particular I'm thinking of that comes up in this season that I I think we have Captain Oats and Princess Sparkle. That's a great question, um, though. I also love towards the very end of the episode that there was a brief discussion of rabbits living for infinity and Seth discussing the rabbit's genitals. Um, that's all I have for that episode. I really, really like this episode. We're not going to talk about the the episode, the stuff that happened. We're not going to talk about S- S- Taylor dancing and the the suds and Ryan fantasizing about her in the music moment of the episode. Butch I Walker, that f- hot girl I in a good mood. Yeah. yeah, I love that for you. Clearly, the outfit of the episode. Taylor double and down double outfits of the episode. Wow. Wow. She's truly we we, we may we may go overboard on Taylor by the end of this. Season. Well, you know, I kind of liked, you know, Ryan and, and Julie have always kind of had I mean, they've had a um, enemy type relationship, but they also had a connection. I think that something that connects them is their love for 80s metal. So I thought that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. That's mm-hmm. funny. It was, it was um, a very specific like he music loves and vibe. Journey and Foreigner. Like I feel like they play that throughout the show, and she loves Bob Seger. Like, and she talks about her white snake phase. So I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Don, I can't believe you're leaving out all the stuff that happened. Like, we're t- we, what about Che and the fucking reveal that he like first of all him and Summer had that whole handcuff thing, and then the reveal at the end of the episode that I thought was really great that he's actually well, the, like the, a rich kid. Yeah. Yeah. The only the only way I could think to frame those questions was basically just saying that and saying how do you feel about that because there are some truly insane reveals well, that's why at the end of my recap i just said here are my final thoughts that we didn't get to <laughs> well i mean a couple things that i'm that i thought about is first of all i love the 80s vibe 80s connection um with ryan considering they're his fantasies we kind of get a little bit of a of a peek into what he might find appealing he's just like a normal dude like you feel yeah. like every other character would have like a weird niche fantasy, but Ryan's just like no oh, hot yeah. girl yeah. doing yeah. the car Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, also a thing that I noticed in this episode was that I can't remember what, at which point in the, it is. I think it's after they decide that they are going to pursue something, which I thought was a great scene where she's like, you know, he's saying like I'm not ready for a girlfriend. And she's like, whoa, dude, I'm not trying to be. Even though I think we all think she's trying to. Be yeah, I mean, obviously. But she plays it cool. She does a great job playing it cool. Mm-hmm. And they're making out in the closet. I love it. I love how playful it is. I love how, like, it's a new side of Ryan, like you said. But also that she, 
like really compliments him. Like at one point she talks about how handsome he is and how smart he is. And like, no one has ever done that on this show ever. And until season four, Taylor mm-hmm. is finally complimenting Ryan in a way that I don't think he's ever experienced before. And I think that's a big reason that he's into her because she does yeah. things like that. Um, what else happened here? Oh, well, I have two, I have two bonus questions to address kind of the two other big things that happened. Is one of them um, about Roger? Because that was an incredible... That was maybe the highlight of the entire episode. Oh, well, no, but that can be a third one that I can come up with when I'm when you're discussing these first two. So the first one is, does the reveal that Che is actually rich make his actions better, worse, or make no difference at all? I think I assumed the whole time he was rich. He, he's going to Brown. He is willing to risk like jail time for these silly causes. Like I think silly causes. (laughs) Hi, it's me, the planet. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, wait, no, did we understand? Like, did I understand right? Did he, did his family do pot farms? Like what was, what what did he mean by reservation? No, they're, they're in pharmaceuticals. Like pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. His dad's like a pharma bro. (laughs) Okay. His dad's Martin Shkreli. (laughs) I'm watching Inventing Anna, and I just love that Martin Shkreli and uh, Billy, whatever his last name, Firefest dude, is, are both in it. Billy McFarlane. Billy McFarlane. So, but no, I loved the stuff with Roger and the stuff with um, that girl's boyfriend that turned out to be gay. I thought they handled that. In, the like, one who looked like, like Taylor Lautner. Yeah, he really did. Um, but like, I, I don't know. The one of the highlights of this entire series for me is ta- is what you sent to us in the text earlier where Taylor says, so what if I did rent a homosexual for the evening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she has a way of saying somewhat problematic stuff in a charming way. It's like the it's like the anti the, she's like the she's almost like bullet. Yeah, it's soft. It's a little softer than the bullet. If, if he's bullet, she's like airsoft pellet. And <laughs> it just it really works for me. And I have one last question. And this is something that I cannot not discuss. Is turning New Match into a gigolo service a good idea or the best idea? Okay, I actually have some serious questions about that. Because mm-hmm. the deal is, it's obviously crossing into ethical boundary issues when it's like a clear exchange of, you're yeah. going to give me this money and we are going to um, fornicate. But like, at what point is it like, oh, we're just creating opportunities and people are paying for the opportunity to meet someone. And if something happens, then... I have thoughts. Um, Share those thoughts. Wait, before you have thoughts, can I, I... This is a legitimate question. So the 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 guys, the boys, all show up on behalf of Bullet to join New Match, right? Yes. yes. Bullet has paid for all of them to be a part of New Match. So they're getting, I guess, income from that. That's mm-hmm. kind of yes. their business model, right? Um. I, in my head, in my head, it was set up as the women are paying for New Match, even though they know they're just going to fuck a hot guy, right? Like, that's the point of yes. joining New Match. But, like, when Spencer called Julie, he says, you know, I'll have your half of the cut tomorrow or something. And I was like, so wait, are the women paying the guys directly? Are they not paying New Match? I don't understand. How well, no, works. so that's, that's how I understood yeah. it, is that they, you, so with the other high-end matchmaking services that I'm aware of, the, you, the men and the women both pay to join, but the men pay like four times the amount that women do. Mm-hmm. Um, so from what what I kind of assumed happened was she, they did their thing and she left him a check or some bills on the counter. And then that was kind of it, the the gravy, if you will. So that's what I'm that's what I'm wondering where the gray area is. Like if New Match, all they did was just create opportunities with these very hunky men and introduce them to these women. Then really, the only I think that the only like legal trouble that they'd have is is if they did start taking a commission from the exchange of dollars. I mean, we need our lawyer to weigh in on this. So. I and and I actually have a story. The reason I know about this is because when I was in law school, I was a legal intern and I actually did a ride along and took place in a sting operation to catch uh uh Johns uh for, you know, in, in prostitute in a prostitution ring. And so it becomes illegal the moment the money exchanges hands. So, let's put it this way. If you have a dating service that mm-hmm. you are paying to be a member of, mm-hmm. And a dating service that you're paying to be a member of, man and a woman, and you two are just clearly using it to hook up. I mean, you're basically describing Tinder and and Grinder and Bumble and all these different apps. Now, the the second it becomes illegal, and the reason why they made it a point in this episode is because literally 
they were bumping uglies. And then homegirl was like, hey, thanks. Here you go. Boom. Money exchanges hands for a sexual act. It becomes prostitution. Okay, wait, but follow um, me here. Follow, see if this makes okay. sense to you. That the, All the apps you just described, like Bumble, Tinder, Grindr, whatever, those are all free. Like, you don't pay to sign yeah. up for those. You can pay for extra stuff. But I feel yeah. like in this episode, would, not, would it have not made more sense and make it legal if the women were just paying a lot of money, like very high, you know, monthly fees to be a part of New Match. Yeah, directly for to New, New Match, Match to create the opportunities for And them. then the guys would come, and then the, maybe the guys would illegally get a cut for their part. But for yeah, the if, guy if, to get paid and to cut Julie in was where I was confused. Uh, so with, with the cut, I think that what you have to look at is what that cut is for, like what that money is being used for. And if, if the... If the money is is being given to these guys, if their cut is being given to them because they are performing sexual acts, that is prostitution. Well, if only they had an accountant to handle their money problems, which is <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> oh. Chekhov's accountant. Che- Chekhov's solicitation. Um yeah, the only other thing that I feel like that happened in that episode was that um, Sandy and Kirsten renewed their vows, which was like a really random thing for them to do, but it was very sweet and it gave them something to do. Yeah, and, and it was sweet priest. a bullet to do to try to, you know, make up. Because Bullet's a good guy at heart. He is. So we already have the outfit, right? Yeah, Butch Walker is the song. Hot girl in a good mood. Butch Walker is a song. That's all that we got for this episode. We I did think. it. We did it. We done did it. Mm-hmm. I saved you at the end here. You're welcome. You really you really did. And I yeah. love so much, truly, when I was writing out these questions, there were some that I'm like, Ryan's going to hate that one. And almost every single one, I was wrong. You liked the ones I thought you'd hate. <laughs> there you go. You live and learn. Um, all right. Well, that's it for uh, this episode of Keeping Up with the Coens. That's it for almost the first half of this season already. We're, there's 16 episodes. We're going to be covering seven and eight next week, right? Yeah. yeah. Man. It's, Chris- it's Christmas crazy. is coming. The oh, goose is my getting God. fat. Holy shit. I forgot. Next week is the Christmas episode. I know Chelsea's seen it. I'm excited for you to see it again. I'm excited to watch it again. I might watch it three times this week. I don't know. I know. Ryan's <laughs> been talking about this episode for three seasons now. Do you not remember it? Oh, yeah. I remember it. It's great. It insinuates so much. I'm so like, excited. There's so much lore, Dylan. You're going to love the lore of this episode. <laughs> I, I am a lore hound. Yeah. I'm excited. The, yeah. I cannot wait for you to watch that episode. I want you to text me when you start watching it just because I can check in every five minutes. I will. I'll, I'll start I'll watching like, it. I'll watch it with you. I'll stream it on Twitch. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Chrismica is coming up next week. I am fucking so excited. I love that episode. It's by far the weirdest episode of the season. And then the season but stays weird. It Good. stays weird after that. Like, we're in this fun spot now. Then we get into, like, aliens and shit after this. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It, it stays weird, Dylan. Don't worry. That will do it for this week, though. Um, if you want to reach us, you can. You can email us at coenspod at gmail.com. C-O-H-E-N-S-P-O-D. You can find us on Instagram at coenspod. Dylan, what else can they do? You know, the OC may have only lasted four seasons, uh, but you can still leave us five stars on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's the best way that you can make sure to get the word out before it's too late and we disappear back into the void that is Earth. So please, leave us five-star ratings. Leave us five-star reviews. Uh, My daughter is just now beginning to track um, things very well, to track objects, and I want to be able to hold out my finger and track (laughs) all five stars so she can see that her dad is not a failure, that her dad is successful and people like him. So please, for the sake of me and my relationship with my kid, Give us five stars. Thank you. All right. Well, that's it. Chelsea, do you have anything else you want to say? Peace be with you. This has been a fun (laughs) week. And also with you. 